You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. What the Bible has to tell us about sin so that we can understand what it is what the consequences of it are, and then what's God's plan for dealing with it. And at the outset, we make no apology for the references to and our reliance upon the Bible, because as Tim has just explained in his introduction, we firmly believe that it is the inspired word of God, the only source that men and women can find out about the Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth. And the Bible was provided by him to give us that level of understanding about him, his plan and his purpose for creating all life. And we'd encourage you to read the Bible, check the passages which we're going to quote from tonight for yourselves so that you're able to see the context in which they're written and to be certain that what we're saying is in keeping with what's written. So it might seem a little odd then that in the light of those introductory comments, the very first reference I'd like to make tonight is not actually to the words of the Bible, but to the Oxford Dictionary to read its definition of sin. It tells us it's an immoral act considered to be a transgression against divine law. However, the point that I'd like to make is that by the very definition of the English word sin, it establishes that it's a word used to describe an action that is contrary to divine or to God's laws and teachings. It's not normally a word used in the English language to to describe an action that's in breach of human laws or dictats. So then it reinforces the point that I made, which is to understand what sin is, we need to resort to the source of information that's been given to us to understand about God, namely the Bible. Hence the title of this talk, Bible Teaching About Sin. And when we read in the New Testament, in the first letter of the Apostle John, we can find a very clear definition of what sin means. Whoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And that is taken from 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Now, understandably, some people find the Old English, which was used at the time that the authorised version of the Bible was translated in 1611, which we just quoted, a little hard to understand. 
So I'm going to quote this time from a version which uses 20th century English. And it's a new international version. And we read there, 1 John 3 verse 4, these words. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So what we see then, perhaps unsurprisingly, is that the Oxford Dictionary definition of the word sin is also what the Bible says that sin is. It is the breaking of a divine command. So what then does the Bible tell us about the consequences of breaking God's commands? Well, to answer that question, I'd like us to look at two short passages found in the letter written to the Christian believers in Rome by the Apostle Paul. The first verse is in the final, is the, is the first, is in the final verse of Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And the opening part of that verse tells us, for the wages of sin is death. Now, I accept that I've only partially quoted a verse here, but we'll come back to look at it in full in a short while. But the message it conveys is very clear. Paul describes sin as something which provides a wage, an outcome, we could say, as its result. And the wage of sin or its outcome is death. Earlier, in the previous chapter, Paul makes clear that sin is something that affects everybody. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. It's Romans chapter 5, verse 12. All men and women therefore receive its wage, they die. And the lesson is totally in keeping with the words found in the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, where we read in chapter 18 and verse four, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, the quotation that we looked at in Romans 5 said, by one man, sin entered the world. So now let's read the Bible description of the first occasion that man broke God's law. It's in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And we read this. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So we see that the Lord God gave Adam, the man he had created, a simple instruction or a law. 
that he was not to eat the fruit of a particular tree, described as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There was a consequence for failing to observe this law, and that, should it be broken, the man would die. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, we have the record of what occurred. And we see that Adam and his wife Eve did eat of the tree of which they were forbidden. Their, the result of their action can be seen in the words of the Lord God addressed to Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So then, from this point forward, Adam and his offspring, by inheritance of the nature that they would possess, in that they were all descendants of one man, were sinners. Because of that, we have the observation that the Apostle Paul made. All have sinned. His comments are in line with other verses that we find in the Bible. For we read in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from sin? In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 24. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And in 1 John, chapter 8, in 1 John 1, verse 8, we read, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. The aptitude for sin is inherent in all of us and is made clear by the words which we find in the writing of the Apostle James. In James chapter 1 and verse 13, we read, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That situation is underlined by the words of the prophet Jeremiah, who says in chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
And that's reinforced by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides a, a more in-depth analysis and description of what Jeremiah said. For in words that we read in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now you might recall that I said a minute or two ago that I'd only partially quoted from the closing verse of Romans chapter 6, stopping after the words, for the wages of sin is death. If we now quote the second half of that verse, we'll see the means by which God decided he would deal with sin. For the second half tells us, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our understanding of what this means is aided when we read the well-known words of the Lord Jesus himself, spoken when he was talking to Nicodemus, who was one of the Jewish leaders who came to him by night to ask about his teaching. And as he spoke to Nicodemus, Jesus said this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The Lord Jesus is the means by which men and women can be reconciled to God. As Paul explains, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of his mother Mary, by whom he inherited that sinful nature common to all human beings. However, unlike everybody else who ever lived, the Lord Jesus, despite being subject to our nature and all the trials and temptations that we experience, was sinless. And that's a point which is emphasised by the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, who says in Hebrews chapter 4, Chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The Apostle Peter explains 
a little more about the situation that Jesus faced. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And in his second letter, Peter goes on to explain how keen the Lord God is that all men and women repent of their sins and commit themselves to following the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in 2 Peter 2, 3 verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the Apostle John, in his first letter, chapter 1 and verse 9, says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So then, in summary, we've seen what the Bible teaches about sin. Sin is the breaking of God's laws. All men and women are sinners by genetic inheritance. And we know that sin results in death. But the Lord God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose sacrifice can provide us with hope. God will forgive our sins if we confess before him, accepting Jesus and trying to keep his commands. Those men and women who do this and follow the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ can look forward to the future prospect of a place in God's kingdom, which will be set up on earth when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That's a fantastic prospect and something which we feel sure you may want to hear more about. But that's a subject for another talk, which we hope you'll join to listen about later. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over 
and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.